This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the June 14th edition of Best Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and... I come to this desk every weekday because I'm firmly committed to bringing you informed insight on the financial news of the day. And of course, I want to offer InvestTalk listeners my investing guidance, if I can, which I have developed over 30 years, you know, market analyst, being in the market and trying to understand the economy and how it works, what drives stocks, when does the stocks drive up and down, how's it, how does it reflect against the economic cycle? The stock market cycle is different than the economic cycle. So, but, you know, make the show interesting, I need your participation. I need your questions. And so I, the line, the listener line is always open, 888-99-CHART. Yesterday, the big news, of course, was the interest rate hike by the Federal Reserve. So borrowing costs will increase for consumers. It's going to go up. But this rate change is not all bad. Some folks will benefit in their lives. Some. I'll explain that coming up in a bit. But first, let's get to the one. Let's get to one of the questions that someone asked before the show. You've heard me say time and time again. It's the listener line is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And as proof, I offer a call that came in earlier at 888-99 chart. Hi, Stephen Justin. I'm actually calling on behalf of my father. He's uh, 64 years old and still working, and he plans on working till about 70 um, and he's in pretty good health so I think he should be able to do so. He actually has no retirement accounts currently and the more I learn on your guys' show the more I think he needs some help. So my question is uh, what should he do with about $100,000 that he has just sitting in a bank account? I know he could contribute up to 6500 a year in either a Roth or a traditional IRA and maybe put a uh, remaining large chunk of that into a taxable brokerage account. Also, he should probably start putting as much as he can in his 401k while he's still working, but his his new company plan hasn't taken effect yet. I was thinking he could purchase a handful of blue chip dividend paying stocks like AT&T, General Mills, Procter & Gamble, General Electric, B&G Foods, Geo Group, etc. All these companies seem to be a fairly decent value at the moment. Uh, wanted to see if you guys have any other advice that I can use to kind of get them set up. I uh, appreciate your show and I uh, look forward to hearing your answer. Thanks. Bye. Well, he's 70 years old. So the question on my mind, first question is, well, how much longer is he going to work? How much longer can he work? Um, is he self-employed? Is he working for somebody? And, you know, do they, will they force him to retire? Those are the kinds of things I would ask. At 70, he probably shouldn't take too much stock risk, stock market risk. Um, so, you know, when you suggest the high dividend paying big blue chip stocks, those are really fine to generate income. They're, those really do well. But there's risk involved in those companies. Look at GE, for instance. You mentioned GE. Look how far it's come down. Look how much money it's lost. I mean, what, in uh, March, uh, a, a year ago, it was about $30. Today, it's $13.64. So that's stock market risk. GE, big, huge, blue-chip company, right? $118 billion company. So stocks are risky inherently. He could build a ladder of bonds, 
uh, and get might get about 5% or so uh, a yield on, on a, a decent ladder going out maybe five, six years at the most. He could do that. Um, he could do a combination of those blue chip stocks and a ladder, but at 100000 that's probably just a little, not enough to do that. Not enough money. He needs to sock away as much as he can because he will be using up money in retirement. Most of the time, people pay no attention to the cost of health care as they get older. But I think there was a stat out a few years ago that between the ages of 65 and 90, uh, you're going to have to pay out a quarter million dollars out of your pocket in health care. That's, that's having Medicare. You have Medicare. That's out-of-pocket expenses. So it's a lot of, uh, he just sock away as much as he can. That's, that's, if he has a 401k, maximize that, maximize the IRA, do whatever he can. But even at a, a 70 and a half, he has to start withdrawing from his IRA and his 401k. He has to start withdraw from that. It's a problem. It really is a problem. 888-99-CHART is our number. 888-992-4278. The Federal Reserve announced an interest rate hike yesterday, as I mentioned. This means that borrowing costs will head higher for consumers. Americans with credit cards, adjustable rate mortgages, home equity lines of credit, they'll all see their monthly payments rise. Now that the Fed has listed its key rate, to 1.75 to 2%. That's, and that's the Fed fund rate, the amount of money they lend to, they charge to banks, borrow money from them. And the Fed and the banks just pass along the cost, right? That's what happens. And some of the rates uh, that people are paying are based on, you know, uh, what the Federal Reserve does. So, so you, you know, the adjustable rate mortgages as those and those a line of credit, all that is based on certain rates, cost of funds. Now, here's a real-world impact example, for instance. Uh, average credit card rates is at 17%, according to bankrate.com. So it, for a $10,000 credit card balance, a quarter point hike will probably add about $25 a month in interest. $25 per month. First of all, please don't have a ten thousand dollar credit card balance. You don't. We don't want the credit card balances. We're not. We don't want to pay seventeen percent. That's that's ridiculous. Don't don't make other people rich. Another example: rates for home equity lines of credit are much lower at about on average five point nine two percent. So a quarter point increase on a thirty thousand credit card credit uh, line is a rise if that rises. Um, it will be uh, only about $6 a month. That's where the, co where the cost would go up, $6, because the rate's only 5.92. But, you know, again, as we get close to retirement, we don't want these loans outstanding. Car buyers will feel it too, probably, but there's still a lot of uh, competition in, in the auto loan business, so maybe not. But... Any, any effect on a 30-year mortgage that you already have is none. A 30-year fixed mortgage is not going to happen. Yeah, just not going to be, you know. But if you're going to get a new mortgage, and let's say you borrow 200000 for a mortgage, it'll boost your payment by about $30 a month, this quarter point rise. So there's going to be effects. The good news is some bank customers will start to see noticeable higher savings rates. We're finally getting a little bit more money for the money we're saving. Consumers with bank savings accounts and CDs will benefit. 
While rising interest rate costs constrain buyers, savers are finally getting their day in the sun. But if you think about it, as rates rise, some people will take that money that they don't want to take risks with out of the market and buy CDs with it. And that could hurt the stock market. I don't know if we're close enough yet, but that's possible. Remember, the Federal Reserve said they're going to raise rates more. Now, if all this makes your head spin, if you need personalized help figuring out how this news will, may affect you or what to do about it or how do you take care of it, why don't you reach out to me via investtalk.com. Go to the Contact Us page, Contact Us page, scroll down and select Submit a Question for Me. Or get me your financial investment question in the program today. 888-99-CHART is our number. Now, our main talking point today is related to information I've just gave you. Why investors shouldn't worry that rates will rise. So why, not, why, should, why you should not worry about it. And I, I want to talk about it. We'll, we'll explain coming up. Some of the other topics I have on schedule that I want to talk about today probably didn't even notice. Did you did you see what Mario Draga, you know who he is? Do you remember who Mario Draga is? He's the ECB, European Central Bank uh, uh, head. Did you hear what he said he was going to do about QE for Europe? Well, I want to talk about that. Did you see retail sales report for May come out today? You should have. It's pretty important. And I want to talk about taxes in retirement. How, when you retire, what kind of taxes are you going to be faced? Government taxes, income tax, capital gains tax. How's it going to affect you? What, what's going to be taxed and how? So I got some things I want to share there too. Those are what we're going to talk about. But of course, the show is always driven by what you want to talk about. The market was mixed today. The, the Dow was down 26 points, but the NASDAQ was up 65. That is a very strange divergence. I mean, that's a, that's a very big divergence. The S&P 500, which is a broader index, was up seven. So the market, broadly speaking, was on the upside, but it's really, really unusual to have the Dow down and the NASDAQ up sharply. Could be down and up, you know, in a range, but NASDAQ was up sharply. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for listening to Invest Talk. You hear, uh, Invest Talk is heard live every weekday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 Central, 7 p.m. Eastern. I will be in San Jose next month, July 18th, conducting portfolio review meetings. This is your chance to, to make a meaningful impact on your financial statement. Reserve your space if you want to meet with me. You meet with me personally. By do, how to do that up? You do that, you start by going to investtalk.com, click on Invest Talk, then click Portfolio Review. And now our phone lines are open, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Steve is here to help you find answers and to see you through the decision-making process. So, you'll want his number. Call Steve now, 888-99-CHART. Ninety-nine chart. We're going to go talk to John because he wants to talk about interest rates. How you doing, John? Good. How are you, sir? Thanks for taking my call. I'm good. Thank you for calling. Yeah. The question that I have is, uh, 
what is the dynamics and mechanics that really determines the long term rate versus the short term and what does the term bond vigilante mean okay uh, what determines long and short rates are supply and demand by people, by companies, by uh, uh, um, invest talk. I mean, investing uh, the investing public. The Federal Reserve only controls the rate that it lends to banks. So let's say um, the bank wants to lend money out to you. Well, they generally tend to raise the rates, but they're competing with other banks, so they're competing for your business. Now, if you're talking about bonds and the government issues bonds, the Federal Reserve has nothing to do with bonds, okay? Because what happens is those bonds, when the government has to issue them, are bought by the public, us, you, me, but, you know, big institutions, really big institutions control it. But what happens when, when the Fed raises rates, it has a ripple effect, and other rates tend to go up with it. But they don't have to. They just tend to go up with it. Okay? So, you don't, don't, whenever you hear me say or anybody say, well, the government raised rates today, well, that's the Federal Reserve raising one weight, one rate, and it, there's usually a ripple effect. Everybody else raises the rates along the way. Okay? So, that's what controls interest rates. Uh, if, when the government, when the government wants to borrow money because they're so far in debt, what are we, $13 trillion in debt? So the government has to pay that, right? I mean, they got to service that debt. What happens is the government offers, a, you know, uh, $20 billion in 30-year mortgages and asks the public what will they pay, the, what do they have to pay an interest for them to buy that debt? And it's a kind of an auction. And they then what happens is they then they average the the uh, average the offer of demand or I should say demand for interest rates for the bonds and that's what they charge. That's how that works. You're listening to thanks for the call. Appreciate it, John. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm financial advisor Steve Peasley, and I hope you're doing everything you should to grow your grow and protect your money. I hope I hope you are. If you want my help or Justin's help, you know re, you can reach us through investtalk.com. And we can start a dialogue and talk to you about it. Or throw your investment question at us right now at 888-99-CHART. Let's get back to Invest Talk, made possible each day by KPP Financial, where Steve and Justin specialize in showing you how to simplify your 401k investing in four easy steps. Their approach is a refined system, a methodology that can help meet a serious challenge for the average investor. That is the challenge of making informed choices within the limits of an employer's plan. Is the KPP Financial Active 401k service right for you? Well, you can learn more at investtalk.com and make a connection that could increase your earnings. But now, let's hear your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Mike in Florida. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing good, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, Steve, uh, I think I sold uh, Discovery, and I'm looking at uh, EBC as a possible uh, switch. I like that it pays uh, dividend, um, and I'm 
you know, aware that it's a much smaller company, but, you know, I'm 23 and I'm comfortable with taking some risks. I'm only uh, concerned mm-hmm. about the debt and the negative cash flow, but interestingly enough, with such a small company, the fundamentals look at least good to me. I was wondering what you think about that. Well, I don't think they look that good. Um, let's talk about, for instance, uh, the P.E. ratio. It's showing a 2 P.E., well, that's because in 2017 it made $1.92, but if you're looking forward to this year, they're not going to make $1.92 a share. They're only going to make $0.09 cents a share. It's a $4.35 stock. So the P.E., and next year they're going to make $0.18, cents, and that's great. It's going to double to $0.18, cents. but that means the P.E. is like around 20 21 So it's not as cheap as it may appear. It is a $280 million company. Uh, sales are growing. And I don't know if you can rely on that dividend of 4.6% because it's a $4.35 stock and, you know, 5% of that is $0.20, cents, but it's only going to make $0.18 cents in total. So it does have good cash flow. It has a very good return on equity. So those are good. Um, so I don't want you to think that it's just a great buy. It's, it's not cheap, but it's not expensive either. Now... Mm-hmm. You're right. There's going to be consolidation in, in this area, Mike. Uh, so this company could be snapped up because they have 54 TV stations. It's a Spanish-language company. Everybody's called uh, Entravision Communications. The symbol is EVC. And uh, U.S. Spanish-language media with 54 TV stations, 38 FM, 11 AM radio stations in seven states in Washington, D.C. So a, a bigger bigger company needed a Spanish outlet, this would be a good company that they could buy for $280 million. I mean, it would be cheap. So, you do have the possibility of a takeover, Mike. You do. Mm, so, it's really speculative. I mean... I think so. As long as you realize it is speculative, you're fine. I'm fine. Don't, don't put a lot of money in it. Okay? Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot for the call, Mike. Appreciate it. EVC. E is in Edward, V is in Victor, C is in Cat. 888-99 chart. So um, why shouldn't you worry that rates will rise? Now, well, will rising long-term interest rates imperil your future? Most financial professionals, including myself, believe that the Federal Reserve is going to continue raising hike, raising rates, right? But what if they don't? What if they slow down? Uh, you, know, long, you know, many times when everybody believes something, the rates are going to go up, they don't go up. The belief is too many people believe it. When I say this, the Federal Reserve can continue to raise short-term rates, but all other rates do not. Remember, I told you earlier, it's a ripple effect. When Fed raises that one rate it controls, usually it's a ripple effect. And other rates go up. But it doesn't have to. They don't have to go up. So I don't know if you should fear it. Also, remember, there you could benefit from, from rising rates, especially in, if you're holding on to cash. You'll make more money in your cash. Okay, but is we could talk about money supply and how money supply grows and shrinks and how that affects the economy and the stock market. 
and all those things that that do have a pretty good impact but I'll, I'll give it to you in a little bit simpler form the rates will go up long-term rates go up okay when there's fear out there we have a lot of debt right uh, corporate debt government debt huge amount of government debt but no one is asking for more more uh, people are willing to buy that debt for very low yields in other words I borrow the money from the I lend my Federal Reserve I lend them my money and they pay me th less than three percent on a 10-year US Treasury bond three percent when the US government debt is 13 billion dollars shouldn't I get more for that well no, because that's what people don't think there's much risk. So if they raise, the sh what's happened is the short-term raise rates will go up. The long-term rates usually follow, but they usually go up slower. And therefore, the, the yield spread between short-term and long-term gets squeezed. Now, it becomes a problem. We are going to be in, 100% uh, of the time, we are in a recession. When the two-year two -year U.S. Treasury bond pays more than the 10-year. Okay, and what are they now? Well, their spread between the two is okay, about a half a percent or so. And it seems like that's leveled out. But you got to really watch the spread. And that goes to money supply in the system. It's complex. It's complex. Okay, what, do, what we're going to see on the next Invest Talk, how to defuse your tax time bomb. That's what we're going to talk about. 888-99-CHART. We thank you for subscribing to our podcast. You can join our InvestTalk insiders and gain access to our library of webinars, like Seeing the Cycles, How to Recognize and Harness the Power of Market Cycles. Hidden in the continuous stream of numbers are cyclical occurrences, which help us anticipate both opportunity and risk. It's a free benefit for our InvestTalk listeners. Just click on the InvestTalk tab on InvestTalk.com. It's a Thursday InvestTalk. June is racing by. You've got investments to make and you need sound advice. Well, Steve's at his desk and he actually enjoys the challenge of answering your questions. So give him a call now. 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Tariq calling from Boston. I want to know what you guys think of a company called Constellation Brands, Inc., ticker symbol STZ. That's S as in Sarah, T as in Tom, Z as in Zebra. I have it in my long-term portfolio. Uh, idea is to hold it for 10, 20 years, and I'm just wondering what you guys think of it as a long-term investment. Thanks for the show. Love it, and I look forward to hearing the answer on the podcast. Bye. I think it's a good, solid, long-term investment. I wish it would pay more dividend. 1.3% is what it pays. Constellation Brands produces and distributes branded wines and spirits in the U.S., Canada, New Zealand, and Italy. It's a $44 billion company. It's going to make $9.72 this year, and then $10.89 next year per share. And it's a $232 stock. So your P.E. is like, what, 23? 23? Five-year range is 20 to 31. Turn equity is very good at 23%. They could pay more dividend. They could raise their dividend. 
Now, don't expect it to grow fast. It's not. It's growing. Last quarter, it grew 8%. The quarter before that, it shrank 1%. The quarter before that, it grew 3%, 3%, 5%, 10%. Those are the quarters. That's how it's growing. So, expect single-digit growth from this company. Um, it's a good, solid, long-term hold. There's absolutely nothing wrong with holding this as a, as a core holding in your portfolio and just ignore it. Ten years from now, it'll be higher than it is now, and you would have collected a dividend all along the way. You should make a decent return. Return equity is 23%, so it's pretty high. STZ is the symbol, Constellation Brands. STZ. Okay, Mario Draga. He is the ECB's, European Central Bank's, uh, our equivalent of the Federal Reserve Chairman. He's in charge. Mr. Gregor said, remember, EU, European Union, is still and still doing quantitative easing. They are still buying billions of billions of bonds every month. In other words, trying to flood their economy with money. That's what they're trying to do. He said, by year end, they're gonna they're gonna start, they will stop buying bonds altogether. In other words, they'll stop their quantitative easing by year end. They're buying $30 billion a month in bonds right now. In September, they, he said they were going to go to $15 billion and then uh, buy a zero by the end of the year. He also said they're going to leave interest rates alone for all of 2019. So he has already told everybody they're not going to raise interest rates at all next year. Now contrast that with what we're doing. And mind you, I want to remind you that Japan is doing the same thing as far as QE, and they have not announced that they were going to slow down. They're still going full bore. I'm sure they'll announce that they're going to slow down soon. I think I think Europe is way, and Japan, way behind the eight ball. They should be raising the rates. Right now, the rate in Europe is zero. Remember, ours is only 1.75 to 2%. I mean, it's pretty low. But you, you have to get it above zero if you're going to want to fight the next recession. And they are way behind, they meaning the EU and Japan. But that's what he said. So how's that going to affect anything? Well, I don't think it's really going to matter too much here in the United States. But it might, it might affect European stocks. In other words, negatively. Don't know how much they'll go down, but they certainly will be retarded on the upside by this. Remember, just stop buying starts to squeeze out some of the liquidity by not buying the bonds. Because someone else will buy them. Someone else, somebody else will come in and buy them. And therefore, you know, uh, what what you're seeing is, a, is probably... I would think that rates will rise even because of that. Not even, not even Remember, they don't control interest rates just like our Fed doesn't control. They only control a certain rate or two. I don't know exactly which ones, but there will be a ripple effect, and it takes time. I'm Steve Peasen. I thank you for listening to InvestTalk, everybody. Have you heard that I've opened up a spot for one-on-one -on -one personal, uh, personalized portfolio reviews? I'd have in San Jose. July 18th. July 18th is a date. You have been, if you've been an InvestTalk listener for a while, you, you likely already know that Justin and I, through KPP Financial, have developed valuable assortment investment strategies. 
and they can be targeted for your needs. So, for example, our dynamic growth investment strategy allows to be us to be aggressive in bull markets and and uh, bull market that we're in like now phases and trans transition to a defensive stance if we want to, if the market turns bear. So, if you want to talk about the various programs we have, you know, five, six of them, five, six of them. You reserve your space at my upcoming portfolio review session. I'll go over your positions, talk about recommendations for you. You don't have to become a client, but I'd love to have you as one. All you do is go to investtalk.com, click on Invest Talk, then scroll down to the form. To the form. Give us your contact information. Mention July 18th in the notes section and send me an email. Vest Talk Radio rolls on, and we are we're taking your questions right now at 888-99-CHART. What does an InvestTalk insider know that you don't know? Perhaps something that he or she saw on one of the dozen or more KPP financial webinars? Or maybe insight gleaned from the easy-to-read info sheets written by Stephen Justin? Well, why not give yourself the insider advantage? It's free, and you can sign up today on investtalk.com. Just click on the Invest Talk tab. We're going to go to Gene in North Carolina. I want to talk about credit card. It has a credit card question. How are you doing, Gene? Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, you're talking about rates uh, rising uh, a little while ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I was wondering what yeah. sort of the history of credit cards. Did they start in America in the 1960s, do you think? Oh gosh, that it was. It's not as old as you might think, and that's probably co close to when they started credit cards. I remember uh, it is. Fact, a, it might be in the like maybe it was started by Bank of America when Bank of America was uh, headquarters in San Francisco, possibly. Does that sound familiar? It's possible. Um, we can look that up. We can Google it. But uh, uh, yeah, I would say that's about when it was in the early '60s. Yeah, that's when yes. they had all the those carbon copies. You had to go through the clacker, get it approved, and so forth. And I, I, I just remember everybody thought the world was coming in, and when we in the '70s when we got, you know, several billion dollars in credit card debt, and everybody thought that was just terrible. What are we at? A trillion dollars now? <laughs> and so before, yeah, and so before credit cards were were available. Did people buy things on layaway? Is that how they, if they didn't buy just outright? Well, that, that was relatively new too. That was, I think, a JCPenney invention, layaway. You could buy things on layaway. You never got the item until you paid for it, but you could lay it away and pay a little bit per month, and then when you paid it off, you got the item. You didn't get to buy right. the item and take it with you on layaway. Uh, but, yeah, but there was, even before that, uh, I know that, uh, what was the name of that furniture company? Uh, there was a furniture company that, that let you buy, borrow money way back when and let you do a layaway plan. And that was in like the 1940s. So it's been, oh. the idea has been around a long time. You know, uh, yeah, so, I was just curious, before when it, credit cards, I was wondering what type of consumer, uh, Consumer loans people actually had. I mean, they there people had mortgages. There mortgages wasn't. go back all the way back was, to the Depression, you, right? Yes, mortgages. But everything else, you had to save up the money to buy it. That right. was generally what you had to do. And people didn't. And there's have, nothing wrong with that. 
and people didn't have as much student loans because people, a lot of people didn't need to go to college, right? Back, yeah, there wasn't that many people going to college. Right. That's right. There weren't that many. You know, so you didn't need a student loan because you weren't going to go to college anyways. So, so, so the, the basic, but I, I think, the basic, I think, the basic household you know, debt was possibly just for, for the, the mortgage, the home mortgage. Is that about it back then? That, that was the main more, the main debt that you carried if you could afford it. And that was very strict about who yeah. got those loans. It was not, you know, it was not easy to get a home mortgage loan back then. It was not easy. And back then, the, were the loans just held locally by the local bank? They weren't packaged and... Correct. And, back, Correct. and backstopped by the government. Yeah. And it was a local loan. So if, you know, the bank, your local bank had to gather the money from depositors... And then it would loan out it in mortgages. So they didn't have, they couldn't like borrow money to try to buy, get more money to lend out more. They, they had very strict requirements placed on them by the bank because, yeah, of, the, because of the Great Depression when all the banks went out of business. You know, that was very strict after that. I see. Hey, thanks Gene, lot, thanks please. for the call. I appreciate it. Thank you. 888-99-CHART. Okay, retail sales were up eight-tenths of a percent for May. Now, you might say, well, that's not very big. Heck, that's twice as what they expected. Twice. And many times you take out the more expensive items like autos and sometimes energy too because gasoline prices fluctuate so much. If you took out autos, retail sales went up nine-tenths of one percent. Went up one-tenth of percent. And at the same time, they revised March and April numbers up. Up. So this gives you gives the people who argue that we might see 4% GDP growth in the second quarter, gives them ammunition that it might happen because of the accelerated, remember, retail sales. That's 60, 66% of our economy, 70% of our economy is the consumer. Retail sales are extremely important and extremely impactful on our economy. Now, why is this? Well, probably the tax cut played a role. Just so you know, the average household got an ex- gets an extra $40 a week from the tax cut, from the Trump tax cut. An extra $40 a week is a lot of money for a lot of people. $40 a week, and they're spending it. So, and that drives GDP. And that drives retail sales, on, you know, that drives profits for corporations, and on and on and on. So it's a virtuous cycle, okay? Now, how long that cycle lasts? No one really knows. I think it'll last a while. I don't see an end of sight yet. But with that kind of retail sales, we could, we're going to approach close to 4% GDP in the second quarter. And we haven't seen that since... 2009 or 10 for a quarter. Remember, we have not seen 3% growth, GDP growth for a 12-month period yet from the recession. And that's never happened before coming out of recession. Three, a 3% average growth for the whole year. That's never happened since the recession. And that is extremely unusual. Extremely unusual. We get a wide variety of investing and financial questions here. Uh, it's, we get them on our anytime listener line number. You can call anytime you want. 
888-99 chart is a number and let's go to a call now hi this is kevin from the east bay area love the show i'm pretty young 25 years old and i've been lucky enough to get some money from family graduate college debt free now i have a portfolio of about a hundred thousand dollars and i've got about 70 of that in vanguard mutual funds based on like the S&P 500, total stock market, mid-cap value, pretty broad-based mutual funds. And then as I've been working, I've been accumulating money, and I have you know, about $30,000 that I've just been kind of holding on to, not knowing where to put it, being that the market is so high, and I'm not super experienced with investing. And my question is, what would you recommend I do with that remaining money? I was thinking put it in blue-chip dividend-paying stocks or put more of it in, you know, broad-based mutual funds. So any advice would be greatly appreciated. I'll listen to the show. Thanks. Okay, I don't know if I buy individual stocks with only $10,000, but you could buy, uh, if you're after dividends, you could buy an exchange-traded fund that concentrates on dividends. I actually have a, a, a list of about five or six of them. Uh, these ETFs that, that, are, that are dividend ETFs, okay? Uh, and that's what they plan. So you can buy one of those, you get great diversification, and you get high dividends. And if you want the list, just send me an email, and I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, at $100,000, you might want to consider uh, not buying mutual funds, getting rid of those mutual funds, and buy a good grouping of stocks with a good diversification because you're young, and you want to be you know, probably be a pretty aggressive, even though the stock market, certain sectors are overvalued, and but there are certain sectors undervalued. So, and that overvalued situation is is working its way off since the S and P hasn't not gone up at all this year. Neither has the Dow, Nasdaq has a little bit, uh, but earnings have been increasing. So the earnings going up, price has not, so it's driving down the valuations. So I, I, that's what I would suggest. If you're looking for ET, uh, dividends, I don't know if I buy $10,000 worth of stock for dividends, but if you take the whole 100000 yeah, you can buy a group of stocks. And if you want to focus on dividends with that, try you know, buy buy 3 or 4% of $100,000 per stock. Okay? Seasoned listeners to InvestSoc know that we blend a mix of live caller questions with an assortment of pre-recorded questions for people to ask and leave it on the listener line. This gives everyone a chance to participate. So if you're too busy to call now, leave your question on our anytime listener line, 888-99-CHART, or you can call right now. And if you're quick, we can squeeze you in. we got one more call. On the next Invest Talk, how to defuse your tax time bomb. That's tomorrow. But now, Steve is ready and waiting for your calls. He'll have answers to your financial questions. The lines are open, 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, how you doing a visit? From Sunnyvale, how's it going? A visit? Hey. Hey there. Hi. How you doing? Yeah, I can see you. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. I really appreciate Good. hearing it whenever I go home in the car. 
Uh, my question was, I just heard that the uh, U.S. will be closing, uh, you know, traffic, uh, in, uh, you know, import traffic on China goods through the $3 billion. So where do you think the market will react on this and which verticals will get affected? Where do I think the market's going to do what with? I'm sorry, I missed that part. I'll say my bad. So how do you think the market would react on this news? Uh, is it? And which verticals will get affected? Okay, the market's pro how would market react? Okay, I, I think all that news is kind of already built into the market. Um, the the market tends to discount all future all future news that is already if it's already in the news and we hear about it or the possibility of it happening, like North Korea denuclearizing their the, the that that kind of news is already built in when they're talking about it. So if they actually do it, the market doesn't necessarily react well. I mean, look what happened when they actually met uh, Jim, uh, Kim Jong-un and Trump. Actually met. Market didn't react at all, didn't care. Look what happened to the Federal Reserve raised the rate. What did the market do? Didn't react to that party at all because that was already, uh, that was already built in. Everybody already assumed that certain things were going to happen. It's only a visit when the market gets surprised by something that there's a market reaction, you know, something big. And that's, that's pretty rare when that happens. It's pretty rare. It's got to be like that, remember the Fukushima uh, earthquake that knocked out that, uh, that nuclear power plant and, and, and radiation went everywhere? That was like unknown. Well, that had a big effect on the market for a while. Because it was unknown, unplanned, unforeseen. And they call that a black swan event. That's what they call it in my industry. It's a black swan event. You can't predict it. You don't know what's going to happen. Everything else is kind of built into the market. Something unusual has to happen that no one expected for the market to react. Appreciate the call. Thank you, visit. Okay, taxes in retirement. Okay, this is how you're going to be taxed. You're retired, right? So... Distributions from retirement accounts, like your IRA, 401ks, are taxed at ordinary income. Okay, so when you take that money out, it's going to be taxed as ordinary income. If it's in a Roth, they're not taxed. Capital gains, short-term and... Uh, capital gains, short-term. Okay, that's going to be at ordinary income rate. So it's going to be treated as ordinary income. So they're going to add that capital gains. Anything short-term means under 12 months. You've held it for less than 12 months, and you have a gain. You sold it, and you got the gain. They're going to add that to your distribution from retirement account. Any other ordinary income, and they're going to be taxed at your ordinary income tax rate. Anything over a year... A capital gains that you've got that you've held for more than a year is 20%. But that's not always true. Social Security. Your Social Security benefits that you're taking may or may not be taxed. It depends on the IRS calculation of your, quote, provisional income, end of quotes. What is provisional income? Remember, we're just talking about Social Security. The, the money you're getting that. You will be taxed on it depending on your, quote, provisional income. Now, provisional income includes gross income, tax-free interest, and half of your Social Security benefits. 
If it comes to a total number above a certain amount, and the reason why I can't give you the number because it changes every year, then part of your Social Security is also taxed. Can't just tell you the numbers, though. Don't know them. They change. Now, also, here's some important ages that you should think about. 59 and a half is when you can start taking Social Security. I suggest you don't, but you can't. 59 and a half. 65 is when you start Medicare. 70 and a half is when you must have required minimum distributions from your IRAs, 401ks. You've got to take money out of them, not the Roths. Well, we're done for the day, everybody. It's ending. I hope you learned something valuable during this hour. Remember that you can listen anytime to our online podcast. Just go to investtalk.com, scroll down to the podcast player. Tell your friends, please. Appreciate it. I'm financial advisor Steve Peasley. Justin Klein and I thank you for making us part of your day. And we'll do it again tomorrow. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.